Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Church, while we are honored to be here today. And I know we already did it before, but can we give it up again for our first time guests? We are so honored that you're here today. And you came at a great week because we're in the middle of a sermon series called Don't Hold Back. And by you being here is that first step to not holding back. So we are grateful that you are here. I also want to invite you to come next week so you could hear our very own and the best communicator I know, hands down, our very own Pastor JJ. So I know a lot don't know, I know a lot of you don't know a lot about my background, but I was born and raised in Ohio in a small city called Richfield. Nobody heard of it? Exactly. So I usually, it's right in the middle of Cleveland and Akron, so I claim both of those cities. And I had a really good childhood bringing up, growing up. I really wanted for nothing. I was raised Catholic, so I knew that there was a God and I had a moral compass. I had a brother that I adore. My parents were high school sweethearts. I had a really good life. And up until about three years ago, I had been chasing things in my life to fill a void, kind of like a hamster on a wheel. I was first chasing my degree, then I was chasing my first job, and then levels within that job, and then money, and then relationships. I don't know if I'm the only one that does that, but I was just chasing things to try to fill something up inside of me. And up until about five years ago, I, when I turned 30, I don't know if anybody else felt this way when they turned 30, but there's something about that age that you have an expectation, right, of who you should be and what you should be doing. Like, you should have it all figured out. And for me, I had it all figured out in terms of business. I lived in a downtown condo with white marble floors. (laughs) I had just published my first book, but I wasn't married and I didn't have any kids. I know, so sad. (laughs) So I was really down on myself about it. And I really felt it when I turned 30. I was in the Bahamas. We were celebrating my birthday with my family and what should have been a very joyful occasion. I was actually miserable. I remember crying myself to sleep. And when I got home, it got even worse. I fell into a really deep depression over it. And I just could not get myself out. And the only thing I knew how to do at that time was to go on antidepressants. And I don't know if you know much about how those work, but they rewire your brain and they make it so you can't be really high and happy, but you can't be low and sad either. You're really right in the middle all the time. Like things that used to bother me or commercials that I used to cry over, I couldn't even cry. I was numb. And it's so sad to think about now because I had such a great life and all I wanted to do was just float through my days. Now, Michael had a very different background. He was born and raised in the church. He comes from a huge family. And God blessed him with amazing athletic abilities, which he'll talk to you about in a moment. So while our backgrounds are totally different, our struggles were the same. We were constantly searching for things to make us feel whole. And the best way to describe it is like this cup. And we're filling it. We're trying to fill it up with stuff. 
But as you see, there's holes in the bottom. I used to get angry at, at little things. Somebody would cut me off in traffic and it would ruin the rest of my day. I would get bored, so on the weekends I would go out and hang out with people that were probably not the best influences on me. Maybe you're bored now in your marriage and you're starting to entertain other relationships. I used to have jealousy and anxiety over people that were married and had kids because again, that's what I didn't have. Maybe you now look through Instagram and you're scrolling through everybody's highlight reel of their life and comparing it to your daily life and all of a sudden you just have this void. You may not even realize you're unfulfilled, but all of those things I just mentioned are like those holes in the bottom of the cup that are preventing you from filling it up. Which brings us to the title of our message, which is Fill Up Your Cup. I want you to turn to two of your neighbors and say, fill up your cup. <laughs> so when we were called to preach today, we knew we'd have to be vulnerable. So I'm just going to ask, can I be vulnerable with you guys? I mean, are you sure? Because it's going to get dark, like, really quick. <laughs> but we're being real. So we've been married now for two years. Yeah. And it has, been, <laughs> it has been a great two years. But in that time, we've been trying to start a family. And it has been more exhausting than I had ever planned for. The doctor's appointments, the drugs, the surgery, the money. It's way more difficult. And if you have a child, I just want you to know. Maybe you have a toddler that's teething and didn't sleep through the night, or you have a teenager that's testing your last nerve. I want you to know that there's people like Michael and I that would empty out our bank accounts to have that problem that you have. And I think about women in the Old Testament, especially Hannah, who was yearning for a child so bad that when she was praying, the priest Eli thought that she was drunk and she almost got kicked out. But in that prayer, she said to God, God, if you just give me a baby, I will give this baby back to do your word. And sure enough, she got pregnant and had Samuel. And she ended up giving the baby over to the priest Eli who raised him. Now, I know it doesn't work like that now. If I were to pray that prayer and we have a baby, I go over to Mike like, hey, honey. Um, so I promised God and we have to go to Pastor JJ's now because he's about to raise our child. I know it doesn't work like that, but I do say, God, if you just give me a baby, I'll be complete. That's all I want. And you may be thinking when you get that job, you'll be complete, or when you get out of debt, or when your sickness is healed, or when your spouse receives the Lord. And sure, all of those things, they, they will bring you fulfillment temporarily. What about eternity? I now know just recently through preparing for this message and talking to God about what we're going to preach about today, I now know that the only thing that can fulfill me is a relationship with our Lord and Savior. And that's it. Right? And in the process, we're having fun. Right, babe? <laughs> I'm giving birth into other things. I'm serving in the nursery where I get to love on all of your babies here. 
I'm leading a small group where I get to teach women how to read the Bible. I see you right there. Go small group. And Michael and I are serving on the legacy team where we get to work with some of the most generous people in this entire church. So I know in the process, while I'm giving the birth to other things, when God does deliver on his promise and give us a baby, it's gonna be amazing and it's going to be in his perfect timing, right? <laughs> There's no topping that. Um, Although I share the uh, same frustration as my wife, Elise, uh, to wanting to start a family, uh, my aha moment, as Oprah calls it, uh, <laughs> uh, was in year five of my professional football career. Um, it was Super Bowl 46. Um, yeah, but I know we have a lot of Patriots, Tom Brady friends in here, right? Well, good, so you know. Um, well, spoiler alert for you guys that never heard this story, uh, the Patriots lost again, okay? So, uh, uh, like I said, it was uh, Super Bowl 46, uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. The Giants won, right? Again, I love to harbor that point that it was again. Okay, so at this point, the confetti is falling. Everybody's having a good time. I'm, you know, jumping on everybody, hugging on everybody. Cameraman got some of that love, too. And, uh, you know, I'm just talking to my teammates. Like, yeah, we did it. We the champs, baby. We did it. And then, you know, some of my teammates, like, it was like four times in a row. We, you know what I mean? It's like a tradition now at this point. But, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but my childhood dream had come true, right? I have won a Super Bowl. And what's next after you feel like you've gotten everything that you've wanted? I mean, I think that's a good question. What's next? You know, and I believe a person in the Bible can help us answer that question about what's next. He went by the name of Saul, who later became Paul. Now, Paul for lack of better terms, he was that dude, okay? He was, he was like the boss, like he was, he was big time, okay? <laughs> Paul was from the Roman city of Tarsus. Um, he's considered to be like the Jew of all Jews, right? He, he was circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, he came from the tribe of Benjamin, which the tribe of Benjamin at that time, that's where all the kings came from, okay? So that's, that's who Paul is, right? He, he's like a Kardashian or something, right? Um, Paul, though with all his success and his, his prestige, he was unfulfilled. And you may be thinking, well, you just told us all these things. How, how do you figure that? Well, literally at this time, Paul was killing Christians, okay? He, he, he was persecuting God's people. But the, but the point is, when an unfulfilled person is going through pain, they want others to feel pain. Hurt people hurt people, right? And, and for you, it could, be, it could be something just as easy as uh, a spouse or maybe your colleague from, from, from work. 
you know, they come in all happy and bubbly, talking about their day or, or their weekend, and you're just sitting there listening to them blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you could be, you can may say it, but you're definitely thinking it. Uh, nobody asked you how your day is going. Yeah. But if I, if I can be honest, you know, I wasn't always the best husband to my wife, uh, especially during that transition from the NFL to my everyday career now. Um, basically, if I'm not happy, she wasn't going to be happy, at least that day anyway. <laughs> but if I can really be honest with you guys, what my unfulfillment looked like was Super Bowl 46, ecstatic as can be on the outside, but feeling empty on the inside. But you're like, oh yeah, you beat the Patriots. Again, you're right. We did, but I was empty on the inside. Because at that time, I, I realized that I had my cup and it was pointed outward. It was at that very moment, it was pointed outward at my athletic success, looking forward to get filled, fill me. And it was pointed at my dad. My dad finally got to see me play. And I just wanted to hear him say for the longest time in my life, son, I'm so proud of you. For you, it could be just at your job, you're just eagerly anticipating, expecting that promotion. Or it could be pointed at your spouse at that time. Thinking like, hey, if you would just fix this, then our relationship will be fine. Or maybe it is at that spot. So it's like, hey, if you just feel my insecurities, then our marriage would be great. And amongst all that celebration in that locker room, I realized, like, at the depths of my soul, I mean, I, everybody's happy, right? But down in the depths of my soul, I felt like I was... I was just begging God. I was just asking questions like, God, what, what do you want from me? You know, this is supposed to be the happiest time, but it wasn't. And I realized that unless I became an, an authentic, intimate relationship with Jesus, that I would never know what fulfillment felt like. And when you do that, he is the one that can turn this cup up. That's how we're supposed to be. That's how we're designed to be. And on the ground, with his cup now turned up, is where we find our brother Paul traveling on the road to Damascus, knocked off his horse, blinded, by a light with his cup now pointed up. Let's read about what's Paul going through at this moment. 
If you have your Bibles, you can take them out. It's Acts chapter 9, verses 4 through 8. I'm going to read it real quick. And just so you know, I'm not blind. A mouse wrote this, super small. So I'm going to be really way down in this Bible. Okay. <laughs> verse 4. He fell to the ground and heard a verse saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless. For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. Now in verse 5, we see Paul saying, Lord. Now, the Bible doesn't say this. I want to clarify. The Bible doesn't say this, but I like to believe this is where Paul gets saved. His recognition of who God is. But sorry. You know that's that's true for all of us, right? We could be away from our family, away from our neighborhood, away from college. Doesn't matter. But we don't ever have to see that person, but there's just something about when they call our name that makes a difference. You recognize that voice. You know that voice. Isn't that true for all our relationships? Now, Paul, at this point, was on his journey to fulfillment. But it wasn't until he put Jesus in the position of Lord that it began. Let me say it another way. This is how we were designed to put our cup to be up. But it takes something higher to fill it. We have to be connected to a source that's higher than a worldly success. A Super Bowl won't do it. A job won't do it. A marriage won't do it. And another relationship won't do it. So in Paul's journey to fulfillment, we all know that, you know, even with us, God loves us too much to leave us right where we were. So Paul, Jesus made provisions for Paul to meet with a man named Ananias. So now Paul is walking around blinded by the light from God. And now this is a guy that was prosecuting Christians, so God could have just let him go. It could, would have been like sweet re revenge. But that's not how our God works. Our God will restore you even better to how you were. So let's read now. Acts 9, 10 through 15, it says... 
Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I have heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as the people of Israel. So Ananias went up and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus has appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight and he got up and was baptized. There are so many things in this verse, but for time's sake, the big thing here is that he's God. He could have done that all on his own. He can fix all of our problems like that. But he knows us so well. He knows our hearts that he knows even he can't get to us. And he has to use other people in our lives to reveal to us the calling that he has for us. We're gonna ignore him. The other big thing about this that I noticed is that when Saul regained his sight, he could have just got up and said, cool, thanks Lord, thanks I can see again, I'm gonna go back to doing my thing. But he didn't, he got up and was baptized. He didn't just receive his physical sight back, he received spiritual sight back. And I think that's a lot about us. I know we're not all walking around physically blinded, but I think a lot of us have some spiritual blindnesses, definitely. And now we need people in our lives to point out those spiritual blindnesses speak life into us, help us through those, and help reinforce our cup. So God will always put Ananias in your life though. Don't think that it's not gonna happen for you. But the key is that first sentence that says, there was a believer in Damascus. You know what that means, y'all? Y'all need to check your circle. Stop getting advice from people who aren't believers. If the person who's getting you advice is not bringing you back to the word, holding you accountable, speaking life into you, raising you up, get a new circle. That'd be like getting marital advice from your one single friend. It doesn't make sense. Or nutritional advice from somebody who eats fast food every day. Never in a million years would I have preached today. I did not volunteer to be here. Sorry, I have not been sitting in the crowd the last three years thinking, oh, JJ, please, please, I just want to preach. No, but God. God chose Michael and I to preach today. And he had to use Pastor JJ and Jenny to call this out in us right now. We've been denying it for way too long. But God needed to strategically put people in my life that knew that I was gonna be here today. And sometimes we see our spiritual weaknesses too much. Maybe you think you're not holy enough so you don't serve on a small group. Or maybe you don't think you have enough money so you don't tithe. 
or you're not smart enough so you don't start that new business. But God, God said that you are chosen, you are redeemed, you are victorious, you are more than enough. Yes. And I had a spiritual weakness. When I was 33, we got married and I thought I had it all together. I have this awesome personality, you guys. Those who know me know this. Um, I'm very type A. I like things in order. I like things planned. I like to have my hands on everything. So when Michael and I got engaged, I thought homeboy just won the lottery. Like our holidays are gonna be good. Our house is gonna be order. Everything is gonna be perfect. But I learned through our premarital that having that type of personality, while it may be great in the business world, it's not the best in a marriage. Because you know what that's called in a marriage? Controlling. <gasps> Me controlling? Like, no. I thought I was perfect. But yes, it took Jenny and Pastor Liz and the women in the church to point things out in me speak life into me so I didn't run my marriage into the ground. And I've made it two years. <laughs> yes, 50, here we go. So now on your journey to fulfillment, now that you have your cup pointed up towards the Lord and you have community around you speaking life in you, reinforcing your cup, God can now start to fill that cup up. But now what? So from this moment on, Paul devoted his life to spreading the gospel. Paul was God's chosen instrument. I hope you guys heard that because it makes sense. Because if you have breath in your lungs at this point, you're God's chosen instrument. There's a purpose for your life. And maybe, maybe you are feeling, hey, you know that, you know, Mike, that's me. I've been feeling empty. I've been going throughout my whole life, chasing things, trying to find other things that make me happy, but it's not working. Or maybe you're like, Mike, I'm good, man. You know, I, I've been loving, loving church. Jesus is my savior. I love my small group, but at the same time, I'm just not feeling, there's something that's just not right on the inside. I, I don't know what it is, but, cause, but I'm loving everything I'm doing. I'm, I'm loving serving, I'm, I'm loving doing that, but man, just something's different. And I like to think that this cup represents maybe how you're feeling. Because if I'm being honest, I've been this cup. Maybe more times than I like to admit, that's been me for a while. Even that I stand before you. Because this cup on this counter right here, serving no purpose. It's just there, it's just sitting there. And a cup that sits there, a cup of water that sits there, as soon it would evaporate. But once you get into community, and you begin to understand how God works, how God works in your life, and how he will continue to work in your life, you'll understand that the goal is not to be filled, 
is to be fulfilled and fulfilled enough so you can pour out. So this is what my life looks like, not holding back. I use my talents for so many other things. Now I'm up here. I don't know if this is my talent, but I do know one thing, I'm not holding back. I'm not holding back financially. I'm not holding back with my gifts. I'm not holding back in my marriage. I'm not holding back in my church. I'm not holding back into my community. I would invite you all to not hold back. Pull yourself out so you know what fulfillment is like. Now we're gonna have a person share their story of what their fulfillment is like, one of our own at Journey Church. And they're gonna talk about how they've been pouring out and what their world to fulfillment has been for them. So my name is uh, DJ, well Derek, everybody calls me DJ. Uh, I'm 32 years old from New Jersey. Um, I have a wife, Alyssa, and a daughter, Alana, who's about to be one. So I grew up in New Jersey. Um, I grew up in a household where um, we all went to church every Sunday for uh, probably like six hours. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a long day of, of multiple services. You know, both my parents, my dad was a, a deacon growing up in the church, and then he uh, became a minister. And uh, uh, now he's a pastor of a church uh, back in New Jersey. M my dad is, uh, he's a role model. Um, he's just watching him in that, uh, you know, in the house and in church and just throughout life has been, I think, a key aspect or not, I think I know a key aspect of where I'm at now. All the lessons he gave us as kids and everything that he's, all, he's done for us and uh, showed us um, just to be that example. Even though I veered a little bit, it, it stuck with me in the end. So, yeah, he's been he's been amazing and, and a, a key role to who I am today. So the transition from New Jersey to Florida was interesting because I got a job opportunity. Um, so obviously, I talked to my wife and we decided together that we were gonna do this. So within that two weeks, I packed up my car with just clothes, anything I could fit in the car, and uh, two friends of mine, they helped me drive everything down, and got here, stayed with a friend who had an apartment uh, in a room that had no bed, it was just, you know, the carpet for a while uh, until I could figure it out. So um, it, was, it was tough because here I am in a new state um, with a new job, and no bed and no wife. So I'm just trying to figure it out, trying to make the best of it. And uh, I did okay. I think I did okay. 
uh, but it wasn't it wasn't easy because I wasn't succeeding at the job that I had came down here for. So uh, my first time at Journey was uh, was right around the holiday time. Um, I went by myself. Uh, I had just moved here, so I was looking for a church, and uh, I, I was on Instagram and I saw. Like a, I guess like an ad for for Journey Church, and it looked it looked like it was fun. It looked like it was a good time. A lot of people my age, so um, I went, and I mean I had an amazing amazing experience. Um, and you know uh, there was a couple speakers that day. Um, Michael Cole was one of them. Um, I appreciate him for for really just opening his heart, seeing somebody in need, and uh, filling that void and just inviting me into his home just hey we're having a small group tonight like come by there was a night um where um i my uncle had been sick for for a little while and he was in the hospital and my concern was i i couldn't get back home um i didn't have the means to get back home and it was we didn't know what was going to happen so and i had jumped up out of my sleep um, and I had a, I had just got done having a dream, and it was vivid. It was extremely vivid. I mean, I, it was three o'clock in the morning. I called my dad, and I told him what happened. And now this is his brother, so um, I'm I'm explaining to him, you know, what, what went on in the dream, and it, you know, it was my uncle saying goodbye to me, and um, you know, he basically just told me, you know, like that was for you. A couple hours later in the day, um, or, or later that morning, I found out that he passed away, and uh, that was hard. Here I am sitting on my couch dealing with, with the loss and my wife and her cousin come in the door and you know they're trying to console me. I'm dealing with like a bunch of different emotions. I'm trying to figure it out, like what's going on. So she comes out of the bathroom and looks at me and says, we're pregnant. So um, the excitement was there, but it was kind of muffled by the I don't know, by just me not knowing how to act because I had just went through this loss at the same time. So um, there was definitely joy, but it was, uh, it was just, it was tough to try to find the right emotion at the moment. The fact that I was a part of a small group and I had community here at Journey, I didn't feel, I, I didn't feel, I didn't feel hopeless because I knew that I had people who were praying for me and that cared for me. So, um, you know, I didn't have to go through this alone. Me and my wife didn't have to go through this alone. So um, it was very important. Uh, I, when we first moved here, it was important for us to find a church and find community, and we found that journey. So today, I find my hope in my daughter, for one. I mean, she's about to be one years old, so. Um, that's my life right now, my world. So I find my hope in, in her and uh, just knowing that um, she's, she's going to be growing up and, you know, in journey. And I, I just think that being a part of the church itself is something to find hope in. Uh, knowing that we're going in, you know, it's been nothing but positive since we've been here. Uh, we, we had a lesson in a small group, um, I think it was a couple weeks ago, about lengthening your, your ropes making that tent bigger so I think for me it's letting him in in every aspect of my life and not just the ones that I think that he should be in.
as far as Christians goes, if we don't get this, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to miss something. I just think that God has so much for us. And when we try to live in this like little area, and we just fit him in this little area, he's like, I can do so much more. I can do so much more for you. I can do so much more for, for Journey, for church, for, for, for your family. But you, you got me in this little area, and I need, I, I, need, I need you to think bigger. I need you to think bigger. I need you to, to, to make more room for me. So um, I, I just think that that's, that's what's at stake, missing all of what he has for us. The hope for me as a dad is that I set the right example for my wife and for my child. So being the best version of, of myself uh, through Christ, I think that that's, that's my hope. I mean, my hope for a journey would be that um, we can continue to do what we're doing tenfold, um, that we can uh, reach people, not just here in Orlando, but all of Florida. And once we reach people all in Florida, you know, everywhere else. And I know that we already do missions trips and we, and we go places um, now we just continue to do that and, and, and go more places and have more people um, who are willing to, uh, you know, join the, join the fight and, 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 and be with us as a church. My name is DJ and this is the story of my journey. And it's so cool that we get to see stories like that happen through our church. It's so amazing. Now, I don't know where you find yourself when it comes to the example of the cup, or maybe you find yourself going through some situations where you feel kind of desperate. But I just want to tell you that it all starts with a relationship with Jesus. That's the beginning and that's where it starts. So I don't want to leave without giving you the opportunity if you've never accepted Jesus into your life to do so today. And maybe you're feeling like I'm not ready or I'm not holy enough or there's no way God's going to accept me where I'm at. And I'm here to tell you that he will. He loves you right where he finds you right now, right in this moment. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Maybe it's been a really long time and you're ready to come back home to Jesus. I want to give you that opportunity as well. So if everybody would go ahead and bow their heads, close their eyes. I'm going to count to three and I want to give you that opportunity. On the count of three, one, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand today. I see your hand down here in the front. I see your hand in the back. I see your hand. Amen. You can go ahead and put your hands down. If you raise your hand up, I want you to pray this prayer. And if everybody else would pray this prayer with them, with me. Heavenly Father, today I lift my cup to you. I ask you to fill it. I give you my life. I give you my heart. It's in Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.